Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey everyone, welcome back to Absurdity. So today's going to be a little bit different of an episode, and I'm going to let you in on why. So, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so, actually, Tony was hosting Caleb Isley over at his house. You remember Caleb Isley is a friend of this podcast uh, because he was on on episode, I believe it was 25. We've referenced him heavily, and he is the founder of Humans of Adventism. So he's been on a recent tour. He recent, recently was at uh, Zeal 2019, the Adventist Revolution Gathering in Indianapolis. And so I figured now would be a good time to go ahead and air the interview that Tony did with Caleb because they had some free time since they were at Tony's house already. So we got uh, we got Tony the, the gear that he needed and we made it happen. We also recorded a bonus interview of Caleb that's going to be on Patreon this month. So uh, if you haven't, go to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast and create an account. And you can actually, uh, if you do recurring donations of $5 or more per month, you will get bonus episodes from us. Anything else, any other tier uh, lower than that gets just ad-free episodes of Absurdity. So just wanted to give you a heads up on that. But there is a bonus interview there that I think they did the same day, but I could be wrong. But I am looking forward for you to uh, hear that interview. It's great. It's probably one of the more hopeful ones that we've had on this interview or on this podcast. And the reason being, I realized this recently, but absurdity because of the kind of the, the entire purpose of this podcast to talk about the things in religion and in social justice and in culture that are absurd to us as hosts and and we think that shouldn't even be happening anymore. Uh 
yeah, we've kind of realized this has a negative tone to it sometimes. And so if you're wondering, do I like the church? Am I positive about the church? This is a good episode to hear that on. But also you can check out the Echo podcast or the Lead podcast. Both of those are ones that I host as well. And they tend to have a more positive spin on them, so to speak. But before I play that interview for you, I want to talk about something that is kind of close to my heart right now. I've talked about it a couple times on the podcast up to now. Actually, that's a lie. I've only talked about it once, two episodes ago, and uh, it was on Ryan's confession. And it's the fact that I've recently been struggling with a with the possibility that I might have ADHD. And since coming to that realization at the beginning of March, and finally getting the uh, courage to schedule an appointment with a psychiatrist this upcoming week to get tested. It's been uh, a really interesting journey. And mental health is something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast. We've done two full episodes on it, and we talk about it a lot. And so I wanted to give you just kind of a sneak peek into what my head has been, what my headspace has looked like and, and kind of been like over the last, I don't know, three weeks because I think this is something that if I'm willing to share, maybe someone who's in a similar boat, regardless of what their experience is or has been, uh, may be encouraged to take action or just may find some common ground. Misery loves company after all. Um, so a couple of years ago, uh, and I think I have talked about this on the podcast before, but a couple of years ago, I wrestled with a possible diagnosis of testicular cancer. And my mom has battled cancer three times. She had already been through all three battles of it prior to this possible diagnosis. Turns out it was just a cyst, but it was a two or three week long uh, wait until I could get that confirmed or not after visiting a urologist. And I remember during those two to three weeks, I was freaking out. I was panicking. I called my girlfriend at the time and I was like, hey, look, if you want to break up with me, uh, if this diagnosis goes through, like I totally understand no one should be asked to have to, to deal with this alongside someone else. It, it is completely your choice if that's a journey that you want to have with me. And I would not have blamed her if she had broken up with me at that point or had decided to leave, but she didn't. And, um, but I remember being scared. I remember losing sleep over it. And it's funny because even though my family had been through that battle three times alongside my mom, now that it was me, the fear was real. And now that I'm dealing with a possible diagnosis this way, it's kind of the same thing. And I know ADHD is on like, uh, comparatively speaking, or relatively speaking, uh, it may not have the same kind of impact uh, verbally that something like bipolar, or borderline personality or schizophrenia, or some of the more significant, quote unquote, disorders or, or, or illnesses. This is one of those things that for me, um, because of how it's impacted my life, it has actually been heavy. And I have a ton of experience with mental health, given that I have a family member who who has dealt with a couple of mental illnesses and disorders. But uh, for me, I have talked about mental health a lot. I have talked about it and encouraged people to get help, to seek help, to to admit when something is wrong. And it's crazy because I've talked about it and I don't think I've given it the proper weight it deserves as far as finally coming to the point where you admit that there might be a problem. So over the last six months, really over the last couple of years, I've noticed this, but over the last six months, it got amplified because over the last two years, I was sitting in meetings or, uh, and I would notice that I couldn't sit still. And this wasn't really a big deal. 
because I wasn't sitting in a lot of meetings. I wasn't sitting in an office space with a bunch of other people. And I didn't really uh, interact with enough people on a regular basis that I noticed it a lot. So it was something easy for me to dismiss. But now that I work in an office job where I'm around people from 8 to 5.30 every day, where other people can sit still and I notice that I can't, it has become much more in the front of my mind. Uh, there were times years ago where, where students of mine would, would actually yell at me because they were so annoyed that I couldn't sit still or that I couldn't stop fidgeting with my keys or you know whatever it was, whatever the, the action was. When I'm driving, and especially the longer the drive, uh, the worse this gets, I tend to just bite my nails. And I, it's like I can't even stop myself. I think about it. And the second I take my mind off of it, I'm biting my nails again, because it's, it's, I don't know, it's just something that my body does uh, while, uh, while I'm stuck sitting still for several hours on a road trip. So this was kind of the first key into, uh, into the fact that something might be wrong with me. And I I mentioned, hey, I might have something I should probably go get tested, but I didn't really seriously acknowledge it until the beginning of this month, until the first week of March. And so I got to a point where I also started to realize that I was struggling to uh, pay attention to people. And this is one of those moments where it's an epiphany moment, where it kind of clicks in your head that there's so much happening. And I realized that for also for years, the entire time that I was a pastor, I would really have a hard time getting to know members, I would have a hard time getting to uh, know guests and visitors, I would have a hard time even now uh, talking with families who are visiting Southern and, and trying to uh, see if that's the best place that for them. Because it's not that I wasn't interested in what they had to say, but it was because I would struggle with, um, I would struggle with paying attention to what they had to say. And no matter how hard I would try, my mind would wander. And it was almost like so much, I would put so much effort into focusing that I wouldn't actually uh, hear what they had to say. And this was also really frustrating because uh, I, I very quickly started struggling to remember names. Uh, when I was in high school as the yearbook editor, I could remember everyone's name. I knew everyone's name on campus. I never struggled with names. And then suddenly I graduated from college and I meet someone and I say, hey, I'm Ryan, what's your name? And it's like, I have no idea what they said. It's not that I've forgotten. It's that I completely tuned out the second that they started talking. And this was something I was noticing more and more. There are times where people will call my attention even now and I'll say, yeah, what's up? And then I'll miss everything they had to say. And then I'll have to um, ask them to repeat part of it or so I can get a clue and, and maybe formulate a response. Out of shame, I, would, I wouldn't be willing to admit that I missed all of it. So I would try to only have them, oh, what was that first part again? Oh, can you repeat that last thing just really quick? Uh, as if I only missed part of it because I couldn't just admit that I missed all of it. I would always struggle with phone calls and uh, FaceTiming people because I just struggled to be in a long conversation with someone. And when your entire job revolves around talking with people, this is really frustrating. And so what's happened over the last month, ever since I decided like this might be, this is a problem and I need to get help. Um, everything has shifted in the way that I view myself. Because now I'm scared of every little behavior that I have. I found myself researching ADHD. I found myself researching uh, the symptoms of it and the signs of it. And now I'm sitting here like wondering, is it confirmation bias? Am I looking for symptoms so that I can justify what I think I have? Or 
am I actually being sort of objective here and wondering, do these things actually line up? Because this has been incredibly disruptive for me. And man, it would be so much easier almost on my psyche or on my emotional health if this could, if I could blame this on something else. Because here's the biggest fear around going to the psychiatrist in, um, at the end of this month. The biggest fear for me is that they'll tell me that there's nothing wrong with me. Because then it means that every single thing that I've been struggling with and all these things that have been so disruptive, guess what? That's me. And there is no explanation for it other than that I can't listen to people. I have terrible impulse control. Um, I can, uh, I, I have, if I want something, I have to have it now. And these are just the things that are wrong with me. And it's up to me to fix them. And I'm on my own. And that's really scary because I would, there's part of me that would just love to blame this on something else. And plus it just means that I'm the jerk, right? If it's just me and there is nothing wrong with me, then this is just who I am. That's a hard realization to come to as well. So there's, 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 there's a real fear that when I go to the psychiatrist, they will tell me, yep, you're fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with you and just deal with it. And you need to like, and that's scary to me. And I don't know if anyone's been here before. I don't know if if anyone with any sort of diagnosis or potential diagnosis has been in a similar place of being scared of what the outcome is because either A, it means that, okay, you can get help or B, it means that, hey, there is, um, hey, or, or B, it means there's nothing wrong with you. You're just the way you are and you need to just do better, right? Um, and it's scary and it's frustrating because for me, and this is, these are all thoughts that go through my head every single day. Uh, these are thoughts that literally ever since I called them, called the office and made an appointment, uh, my days have been consumed with this. And it's been uh, really frustrating and scary. And I'm letting you in because I want to kind of demystify what this experience is, is like for people. And obviously, I'll update you when... Um, when I do have an official diagnosis or non-diagnosis from a psychiatrist, which means all of this will have been for nothing if I don't, right? So that's the other risk. I'm talking about this on a podcast, and it could be all for nothing if there is nothing wrong with me. But it is what it is. Oh, well. You see, for me, ever since my dad died uh, about eight and a half years ago, I've also kind of been a pull myself up by my bootstraps and f navigate life and figure out whatever I need to figure out on my own. and. I have prided myself on asking for help on things that, you know, I don't necessarily know what to do on. But for the most part, I've figured out how to get things done. I figured out how to live my life. I've navigated buying an apartment, uh, buying a car, figuring out health insurance, all that stuff. I figured it out on my own. And there wasn't there weren't, weren't people to ask. And while I have found father figures in my life, for the most part, that's been a point of pride for me. It's it's been a point of pride for me to know a lot about a lot of different things because uh, I, it, in a way it's kind of like being like my dad and I like being the person that people can come to and ask questions about a wide variety of things. And then I surprise them with the fact that, Oh, turns out I know a little bit about that. And so for me to be in a position where I feel like I can't help myself makes me feel super weak and super frustrated and, um, less of a man, I guess. And we've talked about masculinity on this podcast too. And it's, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's, it's another thing to actually sit in a position where uh, you tend to rag on yourself and you're actually wrestling with some of this stuff uh, yourself. 
And honestly, I don't know what the end of this journey looks like. I don't know what's next after uh, Friday, March 29. That's when my appointment is. But uh, I want to share this with you because I do believe it's important to demystify this stuff. I believe it's important that we talk about this while we're in it. And the reason being, uh, this interview is actually going to talk about it a bit that Tony does with Caleb here. That, And I'm going to turn it over in a couple minutes. Um, when we talk about the future of the church and we talk about the ways that we move forward as a church positively, one of the things that's so important is transparency. Uh, the idea that we can just talk about what's going on and and embrace each other, no matter what the struggle is, no matter what the temptation is, no matter what the decision is at the other end of it, uh, we are always there for each other. And this is something that I want I want to be a theme on this podcast is that kind of transparency and that openness. And so I'm being open with you about my own journey. I don't know. I've already talked with some people who have told me that ADHD doesn't exist. I'm being ridiculous. I'm overreacting. So be it. It is what it is. If in my mind, if the church is going to get better on any of this stuff, we have to be willing to listen and just not dismiss someone's true experience, right? Because even if I don't have anything, right, even if this is just who I am and I can't sit still and I have a and I have a hard time listening to people and I have a hard time now remembering names and I have a hard time um, controlling impulse and not reacting on the first emotion that comes into my body. If if that's just who I am. Then the last month I've been struggling with the possible diagnosis that something's wrong with me. I just needed community to rally around me. And so for someone to just dismiss that and to say, oh, there's something wrong with you, you know, do you just need to suck it up? Oh, or, you know, don't worry, you're just you're just overreacting. Like, don't dismiss someone's experience. And I would call you to do the same. I know ADHD may not be that big of a deal to you. For me right now, it's about all I can see in any direction I look. So for me, it is a big deal. And this is the point of mental health and emotional health. If it's a big deal to someone, it's a big deal. And I think we need to step into one another's experience and live through them, uh, live through that experience with them. I think we need to journey alongside people and try to see things the way that they see them and help them through it just by being present. Because there is, in reality, up until that appointment, there's nothing anyone can really do for me. But there is amazing power in knowing that I'm valued, that I'm loved, that there are people that are with me no matter what, even if I am just this way, or if there is something wrong with me, that I know that there are people that are with me up to this point, no matter what, and they'll be with me on the other side of it as well. And so if you are in a place that's similar to mine, where you're overreacting to every little thing, where you might think that something's wrong with you, uh, I just want you to know two things. Uh, number one, you're not alone. If my experience is has any sort of resonation reson if it resonates with you at all then um i just hope you know that you're not alone and no matter what your no matter what your struggle is no matter what your uh, battle is there are people that have fought it too and there are people that are fighting it right now so please know that you are not alone and number two, the second thing that I want you to know is if it is a big deal to you, then it is a big deal. And I'm not telling you it's a big deal because I want you to freak out. I want you to know that, hey, if this is all you can think about right now, if this is your world, then this is the world you need to live in right now. And I would invite people into that world with you. Let them know how you're feeling and, and find the people that you can trust and live with it through you. 
or live with you through it because it is so important to have that community next to you. So thank you guys for listening to a little bit of where I'm at right now. I'm going to turn it over to Tony and Caleb for the uh, rest of this episode. But yeah, go check us out on Patreon, on Facebook. um, And we are doing a giveaway for iTunes. Uh, If you leave an iTunes review right now through the middle of April, we are doing a giveaway uh, for a $50 Amazon gift card. All you need to do is leave a review on iTunes and we'll do a random drawing. Anyone who's already left a review is already entered. So don't worry. And I'll announce it on this podcast and on our Facebook as well. Thank you guys so much for listening. Here's Caleb and Tony. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Absurdity. Uh, we are so glad to have you guys. I am sitting here for an interview. Um, I guess it's not really an interview. This is just a straight episode now. Yeah, there's uh, there's microphones. Yeah, there's <laughs> microphones and different things. But we are we are face to face, eye to eye right yeah, now. Yeah, this is so away. cool. This yeah. is so great. Um, a lot of times in modern life, you tend to meet people completely over the internet. Yes. And sometimes when you meet them, it's kind of like that never meet your heroes kind of thing <laughs> where you're like, oh, man, like this person is, is not the way I'd picture them. But, dude, Caleb, actually getting to meet you in person has been awesome because you are absolutely like 100 percent what I, in my head. I'm like, man, he seems like a guy that's really funny, likes to laugh and um, like a, a bit of a nerd. And then and then a I met you and I'm like, nerd. yes, yeah. he is. Uh which is great. So, Caleb, thanks for coming on, man. It's yeah, great to have you. It's it's good to be back. Uh, if you go back real far, episode twenty five, yep. you will find early, early, early humans of Adventism, Caleb. Yep, uh, I'm coming in with a little more confidence, a little more experience, and a weekend of meeting yeah. the people I've been interviewing for almost two years. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's been crazy. crazy. It that was this is. When did you actually record that? Like, what time of year? I think we recorded it probably in December. December, yeah. Not in a February or something like, like a that. A year and a quarter. Yeah, it was about six months in. Yeah, is when we recorded. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's in, it's insane how quickly time goes. Um, so Caleb and I, uh, we did uh, an interview for our Patreon. Um, uh, users and we were just talking and we were getting together and we had so many good topics. I was like, you know, we need to do another episode um, about this. And so what we're going to kind of talk about today is reasons why we can like look forward to the future. Yeah. Um, like why we can succeed um, as Christians, obviously as a, as a base, but then also specifically as Adventists, you know, that's our background. Um, but why Christianity has, has, hope forward and why especially as young young artist adults um we can have hope because i think the tendency is a lot of times we were talking about this a little bit last night you know millennials tend to have like one foot almost out the door Mm. kind of as a start Mm -hmm. um and it it's a struggle i know for me i was very lucky growing up because i had a lot of different uh opportunities to be involved in my church, I grew up in a small church. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a church that believed in in putting young people, um, you know, in positions. And so I was able to be a youth director at a very young age, you know, a uh, uh, pathfinder director at a very young age. Um, and they and they, it wasn't just a, a lip service; like they actually let me plan stuff out and fail, um, yeah. sometimes miserably. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people don't have that, and yeah. so. I think it's good for us to come together and actually talk about this. So let's let's jump in. Um, 
So, Caleb, your platform, Humans of Adventism, is one where you get a lot of different stories. Um, And one of the things we've been talking about is kind of how that has made you feel, even despite kind of the the getting to see behind the curtain, um, more positive uh, for the future. So kind of why is that? And then let's just let's just start off with some reasons why you think like we we have reasons to be excited. Yeah. So understand um, on paper, I should not be excited about the future of the church. Right. The the number of my peers leaving the number of people of any generation leaving is very high. Um, You know, I just from doing what I'm doing, I've been exposed to, you know, different types of abuse in the church. Uh, stories of that, like <sighs> dirty politics, all all kinds of things. So on paper, you know, I should not be the person saying I have a lot of hope for the future of the church, and yet I do. And, uh, you know, that comes from a couple of things. Number one, I was blessed in my adult life to see a church that was on its way out, on its way to just being completely shut down by the conference. I saw that church change and 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 commit to change and from that more than double its attendance right where where it was about yeah, to die that's like unheard of yeah the the age demographic changed the you know more and more people came of different ages families came i mean really once people started opening up and made it an intentional effort to change you saw the results of that in in just a few years um, so I think that definitely gives me hope for the local church, just because I've seen it happen, so I know it can. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a broader sense, the the religion of Seventh-day Adventism, um, you know, we, we saw in the past year just this boom of almost a new genre of, you know, kind of Adventist millennial media that is not that is not owned by the corporate church um, and basically supports each other. Yeah. And, and really what's happening is people are saying like, I have to live my faith out, but I have to do it in the way that I know how to communicate. Right. And, and yeah, the ling- and, the lingua franca, right? Like I, I have to do it in, in how I speak. Yes. And we're going to do this. We're going to fulfill our mission mm-hmm. with or without the corporate church's permission. We're going to do this. And so for me, you know, for some people that might be threatening. Um, But for me, I think that it gives me a lot of hope because people aren't just saying, I give up. They're saying, no, I have a purpose. God has called me to do something. And I don't care if the institution, I don't care if my authority says I can or I can't. God's a higher authority than anybody. And I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm not seeing. You know, if you look at the numbers, it's discouraging. But if you look at the attitudes and the things that are happening right now, this is such an amazing time to live. Yeah. No, for sure. Absolutely. I, and and the numbers can lie because you know one of the things I was I was always talking about anytime um, you know I coach or, or do anything in a leadership position, I always say I'd rather have. 20 dedicated people than mm. 200 kind of halfway. Yeah. Cause you can do more with the, with the smaller group mm-hmm. that really are dedicated. Um, so, okay. So you mentioned uh, this church that was dying. 
that that came back what are some of the ways what what are some of the things that happened in order to make that change because that's a pretty radical shift yeah yeah i think you know i've i've told this story i think it was on the burn the haystack uh podcast Mm -hmm. yeah Um, basically just for me personally the church came to me right i they knew i was out my parents started going to this church and instead of coming and giving me a sales pitch or anything like that, um, the pastor would drive to where I was, meet with me, talk with me about the normal stuff in my life, and no strings attached, go home, right? He did not say, because I bought you dinner, you should come to my church. He did not say, because I am kind to you, you should join my church. No strings attached. He hoped, I'm sure, that I would come back, but he never pressured Right, he wanted a relationship with me, no matter what. Yeah, and you know that's such a different thing than what I'm experienced before because I wasn't even in his area. I had a I had a church thirty minutes from me. He was an hour from me, and he was coming to meet me. You know, yeah. And the no, church it, it, thirty minutes from me didn't even know what was going on. Yeah, you know that's yeah. so. Anyway, that's 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 a great baseline though. It really is for like anybody who who kind of doesn't really understand why churches are failing. It's because we don't go out. Like yeah. we'll go out to hand out you know tracks and stuff, but we don't just hang out. Um, yeah, and and the, yeah, it's it's that's a huge that's a good start. That's a great so, foundation. So that's how I got reached. Yeah. But how the church culture changed was we had a couple of members of the church, and we also had. My my mom, my stepdad, my grandparents committed to making this church their mission. Mm-hmm. So along with these members, along with the pastor, they said, okay, what we're doing definitely isn't working. It just isn't. We're not going to try to yeah. sugarcoat that. It's not working. We have to do something. Acknowledge a problem. Yeah. yeah. So one of the very first initiatives that they did is said, look, we don't know how to connect across generations. So we're going to do the research and we're going to come together as a church and we're going to learn about each other right so we're going to do we're going to study the baby boomers parents the silent generation yeah we're going to study the baby boomers the gen xers the millennials and gen z and we're going to see what events shaped them and what the trends are not what we think of it oh that's awesome not what we think of it not yeah. what they should be what it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right so so we had this like five or six week series where our church got together and said, all right, we're going to talk about it. You know, we're going to get these experiences out and we're just going to listen to each other. And man, that made a difference. I mean, because. I, yeah, all, yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I can only imagine. Cause that's such an intentional way. Yeah. Like all of those, like check the boxes in my head of like what you need to do. Yeah. Like listen and, Come together, be open to that. That's awesome. I mean, and it and it worked so well that honestly, now um, my stepdad Tim Baumgarten, uh, he headed that and created the whole series and everything, and he's been invited all over the place to to present this material. Yeah, both at the church and in business settings, because businesses are struggling to communicate across generations mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we had this this start to change. Um, you know, I, I got involved in leadership where we diversified the age groups of people. So we had, um, our Sabbath school teachers were millennial and Gen X and boomer, Mm. right? So we alternated weeks. Mm -hmm. So you got Mm -hmm. a variety of perspectives. Yeah. 
um, we, we alternated uh, who would preach, right? So the pastor is a shared pastor. So we had these off weekends where the pastor wasn't preaching. Well, we switched up who was preaching in the yeah. meantime. Um, before, you know, way before I got there, I remember visiting and they were watching a Doug Batchelor DVD as their sermon because there was just nobody, right? And so, you know, we started being like, all right, we're going to intentionally bring different people in and start, you know, speaking. We're going to make sure that they don't all look like us, right? We're yeah. going to we're going to wow. bring in female pastors. We're going to bring in like more than just your your straight white male pastor. Yeah. And um you know, it's I would say there's still plenty of progress to be made, but the change has started, you know, yeah. and and really you start to see a completely different attitude um in people where they're a lot more willing to learn, they're a lot more open and you can see people of different generations and things interacting where that ice had not been broken for so, so long. Yeah, not for sure. It it almost <clears throat> feels like that sometimes. You walk in and there's just like this invisible wall that you kind of don't even realize. Yeah. Um, and it's b- b- like both sides. Like it's not like one or the other. You know, both sides just walk in and there's just this gap. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that is awesome. Um, what are some things that really excite you you know, being involved in, in Humans of Adventism that you're seeing kind of as you journey along and you get all these different stories. Yeah, look, I, I, especially this weekend, it was so awesome to see my peers excited about a faith-based something. Yeah. Right? They genuinely excited. Like, man, this is awesome. Like, yeah. I just, yeah. like, I had people coming out of rooms where I didn't see them just to come up and tell me, like, we need this. Like, this mm-hmm, is important. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you for what you're doing. I never met them. Yeah. Right? Like, they, that's yeah. how important this was to <laughs> right. them. Yeah. Like, they had, there were people I had never even interviewed that had just been, like, people in my mutual friends on Facebook that I was meeting because they recognized either me or my shirt. You know, yeah. <laughs> something. Either, which either way, yeah, yeah I mean, like that's, that's a positive. Yeah, they they saw it and they're like, "It's here," and they were excited. Man, yeah. I think I think that's one of the most like just genuinely rewarding parts of this is that people are not only willingly participating, but they want to be involved. They want yeah. this to succeed. You know, and and it's it's a real blessing. That's cool because that kind of excitement is usually reserved for like puppies and, yeah. and like Marvel movies, you mm-hmm. know, like Into the Spider Verse is coming out and like yeah. that's the level of like oh yeah you know and 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 to see that no for sure, um, what what can what do you think? Well, okay, so one of the big things I think that I love, especially about humans of Adventism, but but also just kind of but what we're doing as a group is just we're finally talking to each other. Yes. I think that that's such a huge benefit. Um, isolation, especially when it comes to Christianity, tends to happen so mm. much. And it's weird for me because church should be, in my mind anyway, like the one place where you can come and be your authentic self. Like mm-hmm. you can't really unload and take off the mask and let your hair down at work. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to. You have to have a professional environment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you should, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, that's, that's the next, you know, big, you know, push I'm doing. No, um, you really should have a professional environment. A lot of times in the, in your home with your family, you can't let your hair down. Um, especially depending on what your culture is. Um, you have to either put up a tough front or you, or, you know, people just kind of poo poo what you're feeling. because they are like, Oh, it's, it's, you know, this person, um, but your church should be like the one place where you can come in and really yeah. be like, I am struggling or man, this is so cool. This happened to me. Yeah. Um, and it feels like that's the last place we want to do it. Like Absolutely. that's the, the only, only the place we can come <laughs> to maybe with success, Yeah. but only success in a certain area. Yes. Yes. And, and, um, and I hate this because to me, I understand why it happens, mm. you know, because I, I, and we don't need to get into the, the history and politics of it. But at the same time, it's like of all the places to not have to wear a mask. And then you have to qualify everything you do with, man, God has been so good to me. And I almost want to feel like by highlighting that you're inferring that, you know what I mean? Like, but, I, I, like, like to me, God is always there. So when I say I love this movie. To me, I'm not excluding God from yeah. life. Like it was like, yeah, I didn't really feel good, you know, walking in, and and I saw a lot of people in line, or I didn't know whatever. Like I, I just, I just walked out, and I felt bad about it. And it's like, yeah, God's a part of all of that range of emotion. Yes. I'm hungry, or this, like, and so when you highlight Him, you have to come in, and everything is, oh, God gave me such success today, or God did all this. Stuff. It's like, okay, I I love the fact that you you are in wanting to involve God in that. But sometimes I just wish people would come in and say, man, I had an awesome week. Yeah. Yep. And not need to, and just, <laughs> we assume that like, cool. And yeah. God was a part of that. Like we just assume that and we can just be, and cause it's, I don't know, but to me, it's just kind of that authenticity. Of yeah. Like we're more, we're being brand reps instead of actual like family members. Yeah. And, and it feels, and it, it gives the feeling of, I don't know, like almost a formality to it, I guess. Yeah. That, that you, it, 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 maybe you should like for some people who love high church, which is cool. Like, all right, maybe that's a sense where you have to do that. But Mm -hmm. for me, um, even in small groups, like even in really informal environments, moments someone says that it's almost like, oh, well the stakes have been raised. And like, you can feel people clam up. Yeah. That just happened a couple weeks ago. I was at a, a gathering. The pastor had invited like, 30 young adults, like, and, and high school students. And, you know, we were all together and, and he asked, like, um, what was like the highlight? What was one of the highlights of your life? Yeah. You know, and, and that same thing happened where people are just like, man, you know, for me, it was my friend's baby loved me one weekend. Like yeah. this baby, I could, I gotta, I gotta talk for a second, but like, go, go, go off. As soon as I came in the front door, my best friend's child, who is not even a year old, beamed at me. Like, just, like, she was, yeah. like, I was the best person in the world. And all weekend while I stayed there, she specifically looked to make eye contact with me and every time would just, like, smile so big. And it made me feel like the most important person in the world. Yeah. So for me, that's my highlight, right? And then, like, a couple times later, it's just like, well, I've been facing hardship and God knows and God is leading me through and God has been with me all year and God, you yeah, know, and it's yeah. like, man. Which, which, and it's not to knock what they're doing, but it almost feels like it's like a crutch. Yes. You know what I mean? That all of a sudden formalizes where like, yeah, no, that too. But, but then, oh, well, I didn't really, I didn't realize like, is it spiritual? It just, it just, mm-hmm. it changes something. Yeah. 
And and so to me, the reason why it's so awesome that we start talking to each other is because now we can start being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to me, when I look out, I'm like, that's where we can have so much success. Yeah. Um, because by definition, some of these older um, denominations and, and ones that are really steeped in, in so much history that they can't really change. Yeah. Um, they're, they're hampered by that, Yeah. you know, and now they build up their side, which is, Hey, this has stood for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hey, you know, come stand on something that's solid, which is great. And it's, it's good for them. But to me, I think the future of Christianity really, really lies in the ability to be completely transparent. And we're yes. starting to see that. Yep. And, and, that to me is something that I look out and I see, you know, the podcasts that have been popping up, uh, humans of Adventism. Um, we're starting to get like a, a bunch of different media stuff coming out of the NAD through the haystack and different avenues. And we're seeing things like, uh, the Adverse revolution series, mm-hmm. uh, with, with Mike polite. Um, we're starting to see things through, um, even just Twitter, just like yeah. non branded stuff, just yep. kind of this free flowing, um, Hey, we need to address these social issues that are going on. Hey, you know, we haven't really addressed the racism at Anderson Southern. Like let's 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 deal with this mm. so that we can kind of cleanse this burden that we might not even realize we've been carrying. Like yeah. this weight that was we were born into. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just been so cool to see that for me because it feels like now we can be <laughs> humans, mm-hmm. advanced humans together. Yeah. Um, which is, you would, it's such a simple concept though. Yeah. You would think that just being <laughs> and, and knowing, like I struggled and I've been very open about this. I really struggled with depression when I first came up here mm. uh, a year and a half ago now. Um, and it was really bad. Like I, it, it, I went to a really, really dark place very quickly too. Mm. Um, it, it was just a really quick shift. And I was told by people like after I came out of it and, and I mean, Started recovering. Let me put it that way. Um, in Greek, we call that the ingressive, <laughs> the beginning of a, an action. Um, but yeah, like as I started to come out of the, the start of the process of coming out of it, um, I was talking to different professors about different things and why I kind of fell off the map. And one of you know, I, I actually had multiple ones, but one in particular pulled me aside and goes, "I, I wouldn't, you know, tell people that you were depressed. Like I wouldn't share Yikes. that. I wouldn't keep it open." And I understand totally why. He, he did that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not blaming him at all, but I was like, oh man, that's such, to me, it was, I immediately was like, that's a culture shift. Yep. Like, you're wrong. And <laughs> I, I, I always wanted to say it to his face and be like, oh, I appreciate that. But no, you're, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> if, if I don't get a job because I'm open and vulnerable and transparent about that, then so be it. Yeah. That's not something I, I want to be in. Yep. Um, and it's it's amazed me coming out of that how many people have come up to me and talked to me about how my opening up about that in class mm. um, or you know just being just being able to talk about it freely and say I'm not over it fully um, you know I'm still struggling with it how much that helped them and, yeah. and connect with them because they're like yeah I didn't realize this and I'm like yeah you know we got a free counseling center here like go in like I've been going it's great and and they come later and say like thank you so much for sharing. Um, and it's not like I've done, like, I didn't save puppies from a river. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't do anything other than talk about my own journey. Yeah. But it amazes me how much connection comes from that. Yeah. Just within our own circle. Yeah. Forget outside. Yep. Um, 
have what, what are two things mm. that you feel moving forward we can do as a church um, that we kind of maybe already have or are already doing that you see and you're like, this is what I appreciate. This is what I really enjoy. Yeah, I think one thing that I learned, there's a, a group called Growing Young Adventists, mm-hmm. and they have one particular point that I've really, really latched onto, and I think it works for any human being, and that is ask more questions. Mm. Okay, so get it in your mind okay. that you are not the person to teach people how to be. I love that. Get it in your mind. Oh, I love that. Okay. Have the information available. Like, if they want to know, I want to be able to tell them about uh-huh. you know the Sabbath, yeah, yeah, their yeah, diet, yeah. or whatever. Sure. But we have skipped so many steps that are so important before that. And the bottom line step that we are missing is building relationships. And those start from wanting to know more about the other person, yeah. right? And I don't feel like we even want that. We want to make them like us. We want to get them involved. We want to put them <laughs> yes. in a position. Uh-huh. But do we want to know them? Mm. Because knowing them is, one, going to challenge our beliefs, mm-hmm. and it's going to call us into, you know, a... a dynamic conversation it's it makes it harder to hold like very solid static things yeah um and and the second thing is uh give yourself permission don't wait for don't wait for the church to give you permission if god has called you to do something you should do that thing you know if if you end up waiting uh, on somebody else, you just won't do it because yeah, they're not yeah. going to give you permission. No, real. Or they'll give you half permission. Yeah. Right? So I think those are the two things. Ask more questions and then really just uh, just do it. Yeah. No, <laughs> you no, know? no, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of <laughs> Nike. Um, no, I, I, I vibe with that so hard, like for real, so especially the first one. Um, one of the things that I've learned, I talk a lot. Like, I'm a talker. Yeah. Obviously. Um, <laughs> you can't get through 70-some podcasts without being a talker. But what's awesome to me is one of the things I've learned, uh, the older I get, and I learn it more and more, is that um, you have to listen. Yeah. The best way to get to know people, the best way to start any kind of relationship is by listening. Yeah. Asking questions and listening. Yep. Um, It's just, it's remarkable to me how much you can learn by not thinking about responding. Yeah, definitely. And not, not pressuring yourself to have an answer. Yeah. Right. People don't need, like people are smart, right? They, they have a pretty good idea of what to do with their lives. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what they need is someone that they trust to be able to listen and, and so they can out-process the yeah. things going yeah. on in their head. It's funny to me. There's a there's a great episode. I don't know if you've ever seen Parks and Rec. I have. A, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a, actually my nickname. I, I've asked... Uh-huh. I made the mistake of asking what fictional character I am most like oh, for my friends. Oh, no! Yes! You, oh. Do you want to take a guess? It's Leslie Nope. <laughs> oh, really? That's, See, that's I was going to go with Ben because nope. of the nerd, the nerd part. I could say Leslie Nope though. Yeah, yep. the the whole like Girl Scout, like for the yeah. you know yeah, positive yeah, yeah, yeah. thinker, like we're going to do this and get involved. That's that's my oh, uh, 
One of, yeah. I could see that. No, for sure. <laughs> um, so there's a great scene where Anne and, um, oh, my, I, Rob Lowe's character uh, is escaping me now. Um, uh, I know who you're talking about. Boss. Anyway, so they, they have a baby together. And he's always this super positive person. Mm-hmm. And so anytime she's like, oh, man, my feet hurt. He's like, I have Dr. Schultz. And like, he has all the research <laughs> for all the things that she can need. And she's just getting frustrated. And he's like, I don't understand. And they're like, all right, try this. The next time she comes in, she's going to say all that stuff. Don't say anything. Don't move. Just sit there. And when she's done, go, hmm, that stinks. <laughs> and he's like, I don't think this will work, but I'm going to try it. And so he sits there. And he does that. And it's the most simple thing she goes, Thanks so much. And like, it, that's all she needed. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all she needed. She yep. didn't need for him to come up with like a pea soup alternative to the, like, no, she just needed him to be like, that stinks. <laughs> and I feel like so many times, especially as Adventists, um, and I know as a pastor, I, I have had to, t- I, I specifically went out and took, you know, elective courses in, in counseling and talking because I was like, I want to learn how to do this. Sometimes we miss the deeper issues. Because we overthink that. Mm. So, like, people are, they have an issue with the Sabbath, mm-hmm. quote unquote, we think. And so we hit them with a bunch of information about it. Yeah. But really, what they're scared about is I, if I lose my job, how am I going to pay for my car? Yeah. Yep. And instead of saying, you know what? I found that whenever I go out on a limb on what God has asked me to do, He's always taking care of me. Yeah. And what if we just listened to that? Yeah. And like, let them, if the person does not think that they can give up their job on Sabbath, live life with them. Yeah. Like, care about that experience through it. And and yeah. just and just let them know, hey, whatever you decide, I'm here for you. Yeah, you know? exactly. And just, and just go through, because a lot of times we'll miss that deeper stuff. I have found when I'm even in, you know counseling people or talking to people, if I'm thinking of a response, I'll yep. miss that. Yep. Because if I'm thinking about how to respond to you, I'm only talking at one level. I'm responding... To the shallow thing. And so that's huge. And then the second part I love, just don't just go for it. Like, don't ask for, I mean, I, I, so I have, I have, um, family members on the administrative side of the coin. And so I know how the administration works and like to a degree, you can't really change it. It is the way it's. It has to be because of the legal rules of yeah. you know the country we live in, um, and also the idea of like, hey, you know, there's a responsibility to more than just, you know, this particular community or, or that. Like, you know, you you have to, to a degree, kind of honor the commitments that have been made. So I understand from an organizational standpoint why it tends to be slow and they tend to not want to take risks. And it's like, yeah, no, of course I get that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Nokia was a dominant phone company and did nothing wrong Yeah, and still went bankrupt. Yeah. And man, this, this concept, honestly, like our, our last story, this is exactly what it was talking about. Uh, we had a a young lady, I think she was around about 20. Okay. She got this concept. I want to read it for you. No, no, read it. Go, go, go. Yeah. She said, I think humans naturally think of themselves first. It's really easy to fall into planning what we want to say next when someone is talking to us. As much as I wish I could say I've never never struggled with that, I have. Jumping right to what I think without giving someone the chance to really be heard is something I've had to work a lot on and still continue to. If it's true that we naturally think of ourselves first, that's why the ministry of Jesus turned everything upside down. Putting others first, 
growing out of our selfishness, and growing into huge, authentic respect and compassion for others. That's learning to live for God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Man, that yeah. if you think you can't learn from people younger than you, you are dead wrong. I it's, mean, it, I am... It's, that it's so it cut it cuts right to the heart of it. Yeah, I mean it. It really does. I think when you actually somebody totaled, I can't remember. I need to. I need to have <laughs> my research all in a, my ducks in a row. Um, but someone totaled like the the amount of hours or the percentage Jesus was like doing versus like talking, mm-hmm. and it, it's just like a ridiculously high percentage. Like I want to say something in the seventy percent. Of Jesus' ministry was nonverbal. Yeah, like he did significantly more than he said. Yeah, um, and that's just what is recorded. And obviously, he talked more, but you know, if you get this sense of like Jesus sat down and and he listened a lot more than he talked. He yeah. did a lot more, and he just went into communities and just started helping mm-hmm. um, and listening. And and you know, what is what is the issue? What's going on? Um, it really, it really is something that's it's it's not just countercultural. It's almost counter, and I don't know. Like it goes against the human nature so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, our basic instinct, which yeah. is self-preservation and self-interest. It's unnatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's supernatural. Yeah, you know, it's something that can't come from us, and and in order to do those types of things, you can't wait for somebody. Yes. You just got to go. You just got to go and listen, go, you know, don't wait for a title. Yep. And that's the other big thing. A lot of times in our churches, um, anytime I go, like this is my own personal belief. Even as a pastor, I start everything running on a zero budget. Yeah. Any ministry I start, it has to run on a zero budget. Like everything we do, (laughs) we have to figure out how to do that. And that's really hard to do. And I got to be honest, I've had a lot more failures Mm -hmm. because I've done that than successes. But I found that the moment you try to, and it sounds horrible, the moment you rely on a system or, or something to give you money is the moment that you handcuff yourself. Yeah. You've lost the ability to actually do whatever it was you were trying to do. Yep. And um it it just so I I've had a couple friends that we started ministries together and um one of them was just this amazing amazing thing that I still think could come out and anyway. But it was um basically reliant on a set amount of money and, and yeah. the, the budgets. And there was a whole thing, like it was very professionally done. Mm-hmm. And then for reasons that were beyond our control and even beyond the, the, the person we were talking to's control, um, the money never arrived. Mm-hmm. And this incredible ministry that had such potential, just pff, it died. Yep. And looking back on that, I remember thinking, you know, if we just done it, mm-hmm. it would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds it sounds ridiculous, but it's like yeah. Sometimes you just need to go. Yeah. Um, and the same thing like the last church I was at in Condor. Now I was very lucky that they were very open to me, kind of creating these roles. Mm-hmm. But um, I I told you know my youth young adults like let's not wait for a position to do stuff. Like just go. Like what do you want to do? Yeah. And so we ended up starting a service project um, every third Sabbath. 
you know, because of that, every third Sabbath they would go get out and let's just, we're just going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't wait for permission. Obviously legally, like it yeah. was something we would announce like, Hey, we're doing this thing, but it wasn't like we sat there and, and you had focus. We were, we're just like, we're just going to go fill this hole. We're just mm-hmm. going to go, you know, find some place where we can serve and do it. Um, because if you, if you wait for bureaucracy as, as, cliche as that sounds you're gonna get stuck in red tape yeah like you're gonna constantly be waiting for the next can we do this and can we do this and can we do this um i think even as a as a podcast that's kind of one of the things that we've you know really been looking at it's like all right do we want to you know where do we where do we especially you know back you know maybe 50 episodes ago um you know, we were looking like, all right, how do you know? Where do we want to take this? What do we want to do? You know, if we do, do we want to you know try to go for sponsorship mm-hmm. or different things like that? And and ultimately, we just got to the point where it was like, well, let's just keep making like material. Yeah. Let's just let's just keep making episodes and not worry yep. about it, um, because you you can get really stuck. Um. So why? Why do you think perhaps we have had such a struggle as a generation um, kind of having the success that we have? Like all these things that are set up for us to be able to do so well. What is one of the struggles or some of the struggles that you see for us that that kind of keep us from, from getting to the point where we can really get out there? Um, I guess define more clearly get out there. Um. All right, so we were talking about like numbers, right? Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you see that have have caused us to maybe not be able to retain or grow as much um, in the sense that w- like the previous generations, mm. especially even in Christianity, they had these huge meetings, had this huge stuff. Yeah. We don't really have that anymore. Um, what are some, maybe some things that we can like cut off so that we can just kind of, that is kind of holding us back? Sure. Yeah. I think the question that we have to start asking ourselves is in the past, there was a, a moral and societal obligation to go to church. Mm. Okay. And that is quickly falling away. So the question becomes not why are young people leaving, but why would they be here? Right. That's what we have to be asking is, not like, you know, because once you take obligation out, once people no longer feel morally pressured to attend, that's a lot of the reason why people go to church, Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. really yeah. built into our society. People attend church not because, I mean, plenty of people attend church because they think it's what God they wants them it, to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. But plenty of people attend more because of what people will think if they don't, or, you know, that's what their group of peers... This is what we do on Sunday yeah, morning or Saturday it's, morning. Yeah. It's a cultural uh, action. And once you hit millennials and younger, and, and, and I don't, I don't want to just say our generation. Really, there are people of every generation thinking this way. Why would I go there? Hmm. Right? Yeah. And, and really, this was the struggle that led me out of church in the beginning is why would I go there? Because do I feel closer to God when I go to church? Mm -hmm. 
Yes or no. At yeah. the time, no. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel closer to God when I'm actually stopping on the side of the road helping somebody. You know, I'm, I feel closer to God when somebody needs something and I'm feel, fulfilling that. Like, I feel close to God when I'm acting like Jesus. Yeah. Right? Not when I'm, I'm singing hymns, not when I'm gathered for a program, but when I'm doing what Jesus did, yeah. right? When I'm helping heal, when I'm helping mm-hmm. defend, mm-hmm. that's when I feel close to God. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so if, if your church is not where people feel close to God, if it's not where they find genuine community, you're, you know, you were talking about transparency. If you can't be transparent at church, mm. you will not find community at church, yeah. right? Because community takes some vulnerability and trust between people. So if you don't find God and you don't find community, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah. why go? Yeah, why do you exist? So yeah. what we have to think is, okay, if we want people to care about this, it has to be a place where something is happening that people care about, right? Like, that, that, that speaks to something deeper, um, this, this kind of desire for the God of love in our lives, yeah. You know, and and that it's it's hard to reconcile that with programs, mm. right? Uh, and I know that you can do it. I know that there is a way to work it out, but I just feel like that's not the priority in our minds. It's how to sustain the programs. It's how to keep doing the same thing and still trick people into coming back into it. Yeah, yeah, right. I, like <laughs> it, it amazes me. Um, we had like three or four positions we were trying to fill uh, at the church I was at. And I I just kind of, all of a sudden it just hit me at one point. I'm like, Dude, are they doing anything? Like, why are we f- trying to fill this position? Nobody's like there. Like, we're, it's just <laughs> like, we don't, we have this just because we're supposed to have this. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I don't want to, you know, call anyone out in those positions or whatever, but it was like, I was, for me personally, it was the college. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of the ones is we had a collegiate ministries because that's an age bracket. And I'm like, yeah, but this isn't a college town. Yeah. Like we have a lot of kids college aged. They're not here. They're at the, you know, the, where the colleges are. Yeah. So we didn't need that position. And I said, just lump, you know, move it in with young adults. And just when they come in, you know, maybe have a special, you know, during the summer or whatever, but like, you don't need that position. Um, and it just goes back to that that idea of yeah, you're just sustaining this program because mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you're supposed to have a whatever a, a, a men's ministry director or a, a religious liberty director. Like you, you, you're supposed to have that role, um, even if you maybe don't even have like nobody in your you know area really cares about religious liberty or. Um, it's not really that necessary. I mean, like in Berrien Springs, I feel like we don't really, every church here doesn't need one. Yeah. Because like they don't even deliver mail on the Sabbath. I, I probably will take some criticism for this, but I would even go so far as to say our attachment to the sermon format. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, the setup that we have in most Adventist churches, even if we don't, I'm not necessarily saying that we need to get rid of it, but we need to be willing to get rid of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Lay it on the table. If God wants us to do things differently, we should be willing. And I feel like we've actually drawn the line where we're like, no, God, we're keeping this. You know? (laughs) What's interesting to me is scientifically the best place for the sermon is actually at the beginning of the service. Hmm. 
um, maybe have like an intro and, and maybe some music, but mm. that's actually the best place for it, even before Sabbath school. Yeah, because um, they, they they were doing some research and, and looking at, it and they said you know the majority of sermons go unremembered. Like people yeah. walk away, and what they're thinking about is food. Like their minds are in different places because that's, it's the last thing that they heard. They had no reinforcement of the message. Yeah, but when you start with a sermon mm-hmm. um, and a shorter one not a longer one, mm-hmm. and then you reinforce that message with the, the various parts after that, um, or don't even have it and just have, like, this is what this week is going to be about, and then have things that reinforce. The message actually gets picked up way more, but to actually say, hey, we should start with this? Yeah. Like, I, 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 can, just, I can just already picture some people that just the wheels are going off in their heads, and they're like, I don't know. what. Or, or imagine if you said church needs to start at 4 p.m. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would be a huge deal. Why? Why though? Yeah. Because we've made a a holy thing out of a cultural preference, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And if you look at the decision makers, you look at people who would rather get up early and go to church, right? And yet, the people they're trying to reach may very well ha- rather have it in the afternoon. Does it matter to God whether we have church at 11 a.m. or 4 p.m.? No, it does not. Yeah, that, that no, that, it does not. That perfectly works into what I was going to say. Like the biggest thing that I see that struggles with us is we we or that is holding us back is that we have uh, uh, been born into the concept that church is about us. Yeah. Um, and to me, I go when you flip that mentality and you go, "Who am I trying to reach?" Yes, I want to come here to be filled and to have you know spiritual food and all that and to worship God. All those are positive things, but the person that I actually want to make this attractive to is not me or the people who look and think like me, but the, the person who was outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't even necessarily need to change style. Like You can still have hymns. Mm-hmm. Like you can still do high church yeah. with that, but when you do it, the order you do it, the length of certain things. Um, you know, one of the things I always say is like when you, it, there's a theological message in having your greeters behind the door mm. or even at the door mm-hmm. because you still need to come to us before yes. we will greet you. Yes. And I love that I'm starting to see a trend in churches of, of having greeters actually go out into the parking lot. And I understand sometimes you just can't. Like some places, like it's not feasible. And I think people get that. Yeah. Um, but like, most churches have their own parking lot. Yeah. And but we'll wait back here. Yep. You still need to come out. And to that's us. that's really on a bigger scale what we're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. as a church, it's always organized to lure someone to what we're doing, to pull them toward what we're doing. And what we need to be doing is taking God's love to them. Yeah. Right? We, and that's what reached me. Yeah. That that little church in the country an hour away brought church to me. It's like, if you're not here, we'll come there. We'll come out there. Yeah, that's yeah. so, it's so powerful and it's so out of the ordinary. It, it was so out of the ordinary that this was the first time in my life that I had felt that way where I was like, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. What is this? Yeah. Like, that's not what church does. Like, that's not what pastors do. And it's, it's funny because that's, it's so biblical. Yeah. Like, if you think about in Jesus' time, that was Jerusalem. You went to Jerusalem to get knowledge and, and God. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where you went to get God. Yeah, you had your local synagogues, but really, 
you went to Jerusalem. And Jesus was like, all right, I'll go to Samaria. Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, he spent, like, we don't talk about this because it's not really mentioned, but like, he spent a significant portion of time mm-hmm. in Syria and Phoenicia. And we don't really know what he did up there. Yeah. And because it's not really recorded. And it's like, Jesus was like, I don't even need to, like, I'll go up there. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, John Ford is a great example of that, right? Like he meets at night because the dude can't meet him in the daytime because he's embarrassed and, and and afraid. And so Jesus is like, I'll meet you at night, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll call you out on it, but I'll meet you at night if that's mm-hmm. where you need to go. And then he goes in the middle of nowhere because there's a woman who needs him there. And it's just that idea of I'm willing to go where you are. Yes. Yep. You don't need to come out to me. I'm already running out to meet you. Um, you know, we should be the dad I think that's that's well, to a degree. The the well, I, we are okay. So we should be the dad in the in the story of the prodigal son. I mean, yeah. to a degree, the prodigal son was coming back, but at the same time, you know, the dad ran out to meet him. Mm-hmm. The moment that that you know, the moment that he viewed, you know, as interested, he ran out. Yeah, and and I go, that is so countercultural to what church has kind of become. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of like, well, we can't have this because what would people think? Or, you know, oh, well, we just don't do that. Or that's not what we're used to. Or that's yeah. not how we've always done it. And it's like, well, it, if it, if it's just about us, then sure, yeah, do something that's comfortable. But if it's not, um, I, I, I think, you know, we should never have sermons that only talk about Adventist things. Yeah. Like you should never have a sermon on the, on the, well, I, I, I just never, don't ever say never and always. You really shouldn't have a sermon on the three angels message or like a really deep study of the sanctuary. Like that should be reserved for special seminars and different things like that. Maybe evangelistic series, whatever. Like to me in my head, a sermon should always be Christological. Mm-hmm. Like it should always be just gospel centered. Mm-hmm. This is what Jesus is willing to do for you. This yeah. is what Jesus is willing to do for you. Like it shouldn't be an in-depth Bible study. Yeah. Um, Cause it shouldn't be about us, but I see. And to me, I think that's the future generation flipping it on its side where I see if we were to, okay, cut those off, start, you know, doing things without permission, um, um, asking questions, making church not about us. I see so much, potential like there's such a huge gap yeah where people are willing to meet there like i i would love if the seventh day adventist church became the one that was known for reaching the lgbtq uh lgbtq plus community yeah because we just go in and we go hey health message like it's gospel centric it's it's we're not interested in in bringing all this other stuff we just want to, hey, how can we, how can we lower your blood pressure, right? Like, mm. how can we help in a practical way? Um, I would love it if we became, like, the ones that, that just started jumping into big cities and university towns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how many churches are there specifically to reach university students, mm-hmm. um, Adventist-wise? You yeah. know, we don't have a whole lot. We have churches in those towns, but not to specifically reach universities. I think that, to me, is, is what I look at, and I'm like, man... I see so much potential. It's it's awesome, um, and I think we're on our way. Like I definitely think we're starting to we're starting to see that shift. But I think it, it's going to take some people stopping. Like so, this would be my encouragement to you, our listening audience. Um, if you have an opportunity, 
go for it. Yeah. Like that, that would be my challenge, even to myself. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are some things that I've been working on some projects I've kind of put on the back burner and it's like, man, just, just talking about this right now. I'm like, all right, I got to pick that back up <laughs> now. I'm like, I, I had like a James. Not me. I, d- I don't need to pick up any you, more you projects. Have, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you, <laughs> I need to you're sleep. good. You're good. Um, <laughs> man, Kill, thank you so much for coming yeah. on. It has been an absolute joy. Um, guys, please, 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 if you have not yet already, check out uh, Humans of Adventism. Uh, you can go to www.adventisthumans.com. You can go to uh, Humans of Adventism on their page on Facebook, yep. um, and you can even uh, type in on Instagram and follow them. Uh, give them some likes. Uh, give them some content. Um, contact Caleb or myself. Uh, Caleb, what's a great way to get in contact with you? Yeah, you can reach me at AdventistHumans at gmail.com. Okay. Yep. Perfect. And then, of course, for me, uh, reach me at uh, Ryan Becker. 180 <laughs> <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, no, go ahead and reach me at Twitter uh, at uh, Tony Anobly, or you just type in the new Dr. Jones. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, we have, I think, a lot of success that's waiting for us in the future. And Caleb, I think you're a huge part of it. So thank you so yeah. much for everything you do. Yeah. This has been an absolute joy, man. We got to get more of these when you come back. Yeah. Great to be here. Thanks right. again. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.